My guest today is Alex Salzwedell, who manages a customer service team at Cash App. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. Good name, Alex. <laughs> Alex, the first question I want to ask you is, can you break down, um, explain to us what exactly Cash App is, what they do? Yeah, um, Cash App is uh, a company from the larger company, Square. So Square was started about 10, a little over 10 years ago, um, really as a way to um, create equity within uh, finance. And so giving people an opportunity and empowering them to start businesses and grow businesses and have access to um, financial equity that uh, a lot of times smaller companies and, and individuals didn't have. So. Square um, created resources and products that people could run businesses through. Out of that, they created Cash App, and Cash App just started as a peer-to-peer -peer payment company. Most people would think of Venmo. Um, I encourage you to wipe Venmo out of your vocabulary and replace it with Cash App. It's <laughs> even better. Um, but really, the, the goal of Cash App has grown beyond that, and it's really just creating um, creating fairness amongst people in the resources that they have. So we do investing, we do Bitcoin investing and stock investing. You can invest in uh, partial shares, which is pretty unique. You don't have to go in and buy an entire share of something. You can invest as little as a dollar in any company. You can do peer-to-peer -peer payments. Um, you can purchase. We have uh, what's called a, a cash card, which is essentially a debit card that holds your account balance on it. Um, and we're just trying to be able to allow people that maybe don't have uh, full access to a brick and mortar bank to be able to have access to finances and really um, create some sort of uh, equality amongst uh, the financial industry. Dang, okay. All right, so you're leading a customer service team. Um, what yeah. exactly is this customer service team trying to accomplish specifically? Yeah. So I lead a team of um, what we call phone advocates, voice advocates, and um, they have, I think, the most important job in the whole company. These are the people that when they're caught, when you have an issue with something that's going on with your account, you reach out through the app. Um, odds are it's a decently simple fix that can happen through a messaging or an email advocate. Um, but you might get what we call a phone token and end up with a phone advocate and be talking to somebody in person. And our goal is to um, fix problems, to create, bring clarity, um, but to offer solutions while giving empathy. A lot of times it's a scam. We can't do anything if somebody chose to give money to somebody that was deceitful and honestly just kind of a jerk and sad that that sort of thing happens. Um, but what we can do is bring clarity and, and training and equipping so that it doesn't happen again. So they take those calls. Um, they help a customer through a series of expectations that the company has laid out for them. Um, and uh, ideally, at the end of every call, we have a customer that at least understands better how to improve uh, their financial decision making in the future. But even more ideal than that is that they have a fully solved issue. Okay. What are some of the metrics that are used to evaluate your team's performance? 
Uh, it's exactly what you think. It's uh, average handle time. So how long do they spend um, on each call and wrapping up that call, posting the information they need to at the end? How long? That's a that's a there's an average in that, and we want them to hit a certain time. How many calls they can they take per hour? We have an entire quality assurance department that is pulling um, call recordings of their of our advocates every single week and grading it. So they're expected to hit a certain um, score in quality assurance. And then there's a there's a handful of other ones, but honestly, the top two are quality assurance, their QA score, and their average handle time. Um, but they're doing that well. You get kind of the quality and the quantity that way. So the handle time, uh, I'm assuming, I mean, obviously you don't want it to be super long, but you also don't want it to be super short. There's no. like a target no. number because you're trying to you know, build rapport uh-huh. and cultivate relationships. Yeah. Um, and you have crazy situations where somebody, um, I had a, an advocate beneath me that I think had a call that was like an hour and 20 minutes because she just had this older lady that was kind of freaking out and and wanted her to walk through every single situation with her. And I don't know what the right, like uh, Danny probably could have easily cut the call off and just used a few of our, um, a few of our go-to lines for like wrapping up a call when we can't provide anything else. But she, she chose the route of empathy, which is also awesome and, and stuck with this gal. So that's gonna, that's gonna add a, a quite a dent to your average. Uh, but if it's too short, that's where quality assurance comes in because they're going to pull a call and say, you know, you didn't, you didn't even solve the issue here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, <clears throat> what metrics are used to evaluate your performance personally? Yeah. Well, I mean, the truth, the fact of the matter is, I'm I'm new to the role, and um, we do a really good job at Cash App of expecting people to learn and giving a lot of grace with that. So my advocates and myself, we're not even held to our KPIs at this point. Um, But my success will be based on my team's success. And that's kind of what leadership is in general. So um, the the, uh, most upfront KPI that I'll be graded on is the overall averages of my individual advocates KPIs average together as a team. Um, but then there's obviously other things, retention and internal promotions and um, kind of everything you'd expect. The Simon Sinek idea that leadership's not about, you know, your own forward movement. It's about developing those around you and helping them get to where they want to be. I'm, I'm graded on that same idea that if my people are, developing and improving and becoming the best employees that they can be, then it's a great reflection on the job I've done. Yes. Okay. So a couple of follow-up questions there. Um, one is, you know, I mean, just the million dollar question, how to lead people, how to motivate people, how to get them to do what you want them to do. What's your personal strategy? How do you accomplish that on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> I, I'm not. I mean, my freaking company at the top of my company is a billionaire. I, somewhere along the lines, I think my company has 
uh, put in more work for that than I have. Uh, I think, um, well, I think you have to have metrics first and foremost, where there's ambiguity, there's ambiguity. So if there's not a clear boundary, um, then it's just crazy. I've worked different roles throughout the years, some of which KPIs just weren't established, but some of which KPIs are really hard to establish based on what was going on. Um, and it's just really hard to track. It's really hard to subjectively evaluate somebody um, and decide whether they're doing well or not when there's not a straightforward performance. So I think you have to have metrics and they have to be clear. They have to be realistic. They have to be communicated. You got to be checking in on them. But then I think on the flip side of that is you have to enable people. Um, you got to build trust and that trust has to start with uh, you allowing them to be their best self. So if you're setting up these, it's kind of like bowling. Like if you put the bumpers up, those bumpers are your KPIs. Um, you got to let them be the bowling ball and, and go at those pins how they want to go at those pins. And then you got to celebrate how they're doing it and learn who they are as individuals and understand how they best go about it. I've got, I've got nine advocates under me right now and they are all approaching how they're doing the job in vastly different ways and they're all doing it amazing. And so I've got, I've got um, one person under me who is the most amazing. I've never, I didn't know you could connect with a stranger over the phone empathetically and to create rapport like this person does so quickly. And she's not crazy fast with average handle time, but she's still excelling. She's still doing incredibly good job um, whereas I have another guy that is just he was his average handle time literally the first week on the phone when most average handle times are like 20 minutes he was already hitting the company KPIs he's just fast and really good in that way and so you gotta let people stay within the boundaries and then be themselves and they need to know that you trust them so for me, like I'm gonna assume that if you already got hired by the company that I work for, it must be because you're awesome. So I'm gonna go into it with the assumption that you are awesome and it's my job to learn how awesome you are and to harness that and to build it up, develop it, not to get you to be who I want you to be because honestly, I'm, I'm not that awesome. So I wouldn't want you to be what my narrow mind would want you to think you need to be. That, that's incredible showing up and just assuming that these people are awesome and that's why they're here and I need to figure out how they're awesome and then figure out how best to employ that awesomeness I love that yeah it's it's from uh, the book multipliers so that you're it says this book is amazing but um, the authors talk about how you're either a, a multiplier or a diminisher and basically some of the the core things that make you a diminisher is this idea that number one, intelligence is static. So your intelligence level when you enter a company is never going to change. And then number two, if you're a leader, you're the most intelligent person in the room. And so you need to make all the decisions and call on the shots. Uh, a multiplier, somebody that, that uh, grows and develops and multiplies leaders is somebody that's able to look at the different individuals in the company and expect that 
these individuals are all their own unique genius and they all have a value to bring and you kind of got to let them spread their wings which means you got to let them screw up sometimes and walk with them through the screw ups and grow with them and learn with them Um, otherwise you just end up in a a tough situation where everybody's trying to guess what you want out of fear and reactively work and and then you got employees that are going to burn out and get pretty worn down yeah I want to talk about the idea of like the whole person. I read an article actually last night where um, you know there was this push, uh, I guess like starting in the 90s and the 2000s, kind of back toward treating workers as if they were machines and optimizing their productivity kind of at the expense of their humanity and their job satisfaction. And you're a, you're a whole person kind of guy. I know you see the, the big picture. So how does that affect your interactions uh, with individuals and how you lead this team, just keeping in mind that you know they're, they're more than just employees that show up to Cash App every day. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, a lot of that is, is not like, that's a, that's a worldview that I've grown up with, that you as a human matter. And so that's a, that's a hard one. You know, it's not as simple as like, Oh, just it's just this way. So put your mind in that frame of mind. That's just something that I carry with me. So that that is helpful in that regard. And honestly, that I'm sure that'll backfire and probably has backfired in ways I don't even realize over time. And uh, probably having a little too much flexibility with somebody that I probably need to be um, hitting on metrics and performance more on. But. Um, I think everybody acts the way they do because of the story that they live. Um, my 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 own worldview and my own faith as a follower of Jesus has a I have a belief that God created every individual and they're all created really well and they're all created really good. Uh, not everybody stands within that that worldview or that uh, place of belief, and so that changes how people see things. Um, but but I can say with certainty, you know, if, if I'm going to... Uh, I, I had somebody this morning, because I've created enough trust, um, who was having... Instead of taking a sick day and just telling me she was taking a sick day, she felt safe enough to say, you know, I, I got on the phones this morning and just realized I, my emotional health is not in a place right now to work, so can I take a sick day? Um, I think all you have to do is crack open a couple of the top business magazines and every single list of top performing businesses are the businesses that have the most satisfied employees as well and those employees are almost entirely always the most satisfied because they're the most looked after and cared for as people and uh, I think with the exception of you know millennials and younger people that honestly just sometimes we need to learn how to work a little harder and it's not all about us. It doesn't always have to be fair. Aside from all those kind of faux pas, uh, I think you, you're you going to get more out of your employees if you learn their story and you care more about them and um, you understand why they tick and how they tick. And you do it in an appropriate way and you don't ask weird prying questions, but, you know, the more that you learn, you empathetically listen, and 
you learn how they work and and obviously it has to start with you so people's got to know your story uh, where it's appropriate to share and how you work and how you tick and um, how how you fall apart and how you exceed um, and to have enough humility in there to understand that's just my personality and that's just how I work that's not right versus wrong and I, I think it also takes a level of self-awareness, you know, in order to properly convey what motivates you, what makes you tick, uh, your weaknesses. You have to be aware of those. You have to spend the time, do the introspection um, to know what those are and be able to communicate them effectively to the people around you. Also, something that I thought was interesting, I read this in a book the other day. Um, somebody put together a mutual fund of the companies who were voted like the top 10 best places to work in America. GameStop? Was that on there? Um, no, I don't think it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, and it's it's totally outperformed the S and P average uh, by I think three or four percent every year. Yeah, I believe it. So that's, I believe it. Yeah, you know, there's uh, Zappos, the, the online shoe company. That company has a top employee rating every single year. And if you have like literally a shoe distribution company that can top that list, it's not about like working at a sexy Bay Area tech company. Uh, it's not about being at a startup that has pinball machines and all that stuff on the inside. It's about working at a place that values humans and um, expects a lot out of them. I'm, I'm working harder at this job than I've worked at any job and I feel more satisfied than I've ever felt. And you can do both at the same time. You get more out of your employee than you care for. Yes, sir. Okay, so one of my last questions I have for you is uh, you were a pastor before this. And uh, how, how has that you know, kind of shaped you, prepared you specifically for this role, for leading people? What are some things that you learned while pastoring that have uniquely equipped you for what you're currently doing? Yeah, I think, you know, part of it, I was just blessed to work at a, a place that valued me and cared about me. And, you know, I don't think we were the sharpest, well, sharpest run business. Um, but I was pushed to become an emotionally healthy person. Um, I've been in counseling for the last 15 years. Uh, not because, I mean, I've had hard things in my life, but not because I'm some crazy psycho, but because... I had an insurance plan that paid for experts to help me uh, understand myself. And, you know, I journal all the time and I practice mindfulness or meditation or whatever the heck you want to call it um, based on what will not trigger you. Uh, and uh, so I think it started with that, like just being able to work with people that took their emotional health seriously and, and um, going down that road was helpful. Um, but obviously, you know, pastoral, I, I had an interesting role as pastor of operations, so I was like running the business side of the company. Uh, that's the same no matter where you are. It's very challenging in a church world because uh, it is a family of people and it's also a business. So that's, there's a challenging side to that, but work is work. Um, the relational side of things, I think just equipped me, uh, you know, when you're spending lots of time loving people and listening to people and giving advice but also you know learning from your mistakes sometimes you walk out of you walk out of a meeting going gosh i talked way too much or i need to listen better next time or i 
need to be a, a more empathetic instead of being a problem solver, you know, and stuff like that. Um, it, it totally translates here. I, I'm now working at a company where, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's not a lot of people um, that are disciples of Jesus as I am. And yet, um, you know, like I said, my belief, shamelessly, is that God still created all these people. They still have a place that they need somebody to care and to listen and to love them. Um, and it's even better if that person then, in turn, expects good performance out of them because they believe in them. So um, not only do I want to be somebody that if a, an employee says, you know, I, I feel really off today emotionally, can I have a sick day, that I'll say, absolutely, be kind to yourself. But that I'll turn around and say, and by the way, you're a baller, so hit your KPIs because I know you can do it, and let's keep improving. You know, so um, yeah, I, I think there's weird little things. I'm not necessarily scared of public speaking like most people are, uh, but a lot of it is just the soft skills I think you develop relationally and, and having a very forward-facing uh, dealing with the people around you. Think. More than anything, I think working at, at the particular church I worked at was um, a place that had a high value on being a mature human being, and that that shaped me more for any role that I would step into after that than anything else. Also, love the idea of kind of earning the right to expect big things of people because you did the work of believing in them. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. I'm like a month into this new team, and this is our review cycle. So, so we're doing reviews, and um, I I just have a belief that a month in, like I, you know, I'm meeting weekly with every one of my advocates, and we walk through their um, their KPIs and their metrics, and we have these internal systems that look at all their stats and we're regularly talking openly about how can we improve this and oh this is going great but it came to the review time and in a year from now when we do this again formally I'll have no problem saying hey let's get a little nitpick you need to improve x y and z but right now there's no way I'm going to step in and just start railing them once month in, they need to be built up and they need to be they need to first and foremost know that as a leader, like I'm going to put as much effort into seeing what they're good at than seeing where they're missing the mark. So uh, I've made sure that I'm very detailed in how, what they're doing well. And then honestly, for most of them, it's like pretty low hanging fruit, the areas that I'm saying they need to improve. They're a month in, it's like continue to improve it. Confidence and let's continue to get your average handle time down, stuff that they they would say, duh. <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm putting as much effort into celebrating what they're doing well at this point in the new where they are. Yes, sir. Well, Alex, you're my hero. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm happy to do it. I don't know why you chose me, but hopefully word vomiting to you brought some fruit. <laughs> I think it did. I think it definitely did. Good.